We've made it about halfway through our sermon series through the book of Hebrews this August. And as we continue to make our journey, we've spent some time talking about uh, how faith looks forward, how it orients us toward a mentality that thinks about the future that is to come and the future identity of our neighbors as, as fellow believers, as people who have received God's love. We've talked about what it means to be sustained in our faith as the world continues to say one thing and God continues to tell us another. And looking to those faithful, example of, uh, faithful examples of people that lived differently. Today we're going to hear from Hebrews chapter 12 an encouragement of what it means that we know who our God is. We know who our Father is. So the phrase guiding today is faith knows its Father. Faith knows that the God who interacts with us, who speaks to us, does so not from some ethereal distance, not from some mis- behind some mysterious cloud or curtain. He's not just accessible because of certain rituals that we do or certain things that we say. It's not a guessing game. Rather, we have an established personal connection with our God who has met us here on this earthly plane and speaks to us um, in important ways. So as we look to those great examples of the connection we have with God, we're going to hear the encouragement the writer of the book of Hebrews gave to those who who were reading the letter, those who are being encouraged in their faith, those who are being convinced of Jesus' identity as the Messiah. And if Jesus, a real man who was who he said he was, if he was who he said he was, then that gives us support and encouragement in the lives we lead today following his teachings and his example. So we're going to hear from Hebrews chapter 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that it no further would be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So that reading covers a lot of ground. It speaks to a lot of different circumstances, and it makes reference to some historical things that are are valuable in, in making clear. In the first part of the reading, we hear about encouragement in the midst of discipline. See, these new believers, these believers in Jesus as the Messiah were facing some difficulties, some hardships in living out their faith because they were being rejected from their community for, for uh, adhering to the word of the truth. They were being uh, uh, persecuted 
sometimes uh, governmentally, sometimes simply socially, and so they needed to be encouraged. And the way that they found encouragement was being reminded by this church leader that the hardships they were enduring was a way that God was producing good in them. He was establishing them as different, as set apart. They were being perfected in their holiness. We remember that holiness is another word for being set apart, different, identifiable by differing characteristics. And any time that we are different than those around us, sometimes it can feel like suffering. It feels like discipline because God is making us different. He's changing us. He's transforming us. We talk about transformation and change a lot here at Shepherd, and that's an uncomfortable process. And yet God sustains us through that process because he's creating in us someone new, someone more like him. And the same was true for those readers of the book of Hebrews, those who are receiving this letter for the first time. God was producing in them new things. That was an uncomfortable process. But he gave them this encouragement. Yes, it may be uncomfortable, but who is the one that's disciplining you? It's God. So the father of spirits is how the writer uh, put it in this text. And I don't want you to think and hear spirits as the one who creates our souls only or the one who is in control of the angels only. When we hear the word spirit in this text, it's a translation of the Greek word uh, that means breath. Spirit was another way to understand the breath of life, things that were alive, that were breathing. God is the giver of life. He is the one that creates breath in the lungs of a person, that creates awareness within someone's mind. So the father of spirits is really the father of life-giving breath, the one who produces life. So if our earthly fathers are people who discipline us that we respect because we know they're doing their best for us, how much more should we respect and embrace the discipline, the instruction from the one who gives all of life? If our fathers gave us life in a very very immediate sense, how much more should we respect and embrace the discipline and instruction from the one who gives all life, especially our own, but even more broadly, life to our relatives, life to our friends, life to the rest of the world around us? And here's the second part of encouragement. The one who gives life to all things knows us personally. He knows us intimately. He knows us in in close proximity. So the two other historical references in this text come from the second half where it talks about a mountain that's thunderous and fearful, that there's gloom and that there's, that there's uh, restrictions as for who can approach the mountain. And, and that was a speaking to the time when the Israelites were being led out of Egypt. They were being rescued from slavery and they spent a significant amount of time at the base of a mountain called Sinai. That's the place where Moses went up and, and received the Ten Commandments from God, where he received the instruction to give to the people of God. But there were some specific instructions at that time for who could approach the mountain, who could approach God. Only Moses and a couple select servants, Joshua being one of them, were allowed to come close at that time. Because God was working on his people, establishing this covenant that would bring about a Messiah, who in due time would fulfill that covenant and establish this covenant that brings God even closer to his people. At that time, he spoke through representatives like the prophets. But Hebrews in its opening chapters reminds us that today and now, God speaks to us personally through his son, Jesus. The transition, the change. So at that time, it was a fearful thing to be near God. It was against the rules to come too close. But then the verses say, you have approached the living God. He has come near to you. The one that commands thousands of angels. The one who is dwelling now with the spirits of those who have gone before us in the faith. 
This is the God who is close to you. And so there may be times in life where the discipline from God, the uncomfortability of being changed into someone new, the rejection we may face from the people around us is hard. It feels like discipline. It's unpleasant in the time. We know that it's coming from someone not who is far away, but someone who is near. Not someone who has established this boundary between us and Him. And so anything we do must go through a mediator. No, the mediator is Jesus Christ and He has come into our lives in a personal, intimate way. This is who God is. This is how He speaks to us. He sustains us in that effort of discipline because we are His brothers and sisters. We are Jesus' own siblings, welcomed into His family, children of the Heavenly Father. Faith knows its true Father. And when we know that our Father has come near to us through Jesus, when we know that He continues to be near us through the elements of worship that He established, first of all, and and, and most effective is when we celebrate communion together, when we have the Lord's Supper, we are experiencing not just a reminder and symbol of having God close to us, but an actual participation in the body and blood of Jesus. It's really there. He's really with us. The Son of God is, is actually right there. And when He brings us that close, we undergo a transformation by His power, a sustenance, a sustenance and, and uh, encouragement in our faith. A reminder that even in those moments of discipline and seasons of difficulty, God is right there with us. He's not distant. He's not unknown. He's not something we're throwing darts at hoping to get the right one. No, the true God, the one who brought about life, the one who created us, the one who set us apart, the one who put a plan together for our lives, that's the God who intimately knows us. So when life gets difficult, when we experience discipline, when we start to feel like we're being changed, we know it's not coming from nowhere. We know it's coming from someone who loves us. And He speaks to us. He speaks to us through that communion aspect. And He also speaks to us through other people. The Christian conversation is a way that God communicates with us. So when your brother and sister in Christ encourage you, or they, uh, they may have to help get you back on track by giving you a helpful reminder, or when a pastor says, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you of your sins, you're hearing the voice of God. He loves you. He's near to you. He speaks to you. And when our faith struggles to remember that God is right there, we encourage each other again. Faith knows its Father. doesn't just identify it but is known by its Father and clings to its Father. We have a Father together in our Creator, revealed to us through Jesus, who is actually here and continues to be with us. It's in His name I say this. Amen.